I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means the great EJ Raddick. There's so much to get into, EJ. I don't even know where to begin. There's so much. There is a lot, but we got two teams eliminated. Yeah, we goodbye. got a great comeback. Well. Yeah, St. Louis and Washington already showing the door. No surprise with St. Louis, right? I mean, I, the Avalanche are just so much better. that They won the President's Trophy for a reason, so I'm not overly shocked by that. Uh, I'm a little shocked about the the pushback from Nashville, though. Uh, I, I thought they were going to go quietly, and after they lost those two games in Carolina, but wow, they really uh, it took double overtime uh, in both, but they got it done. Uh, are you a little surprised this is an even series? Well, a couple quick things. I would say first, going back to the Blues for just a second, I would say they were just banged up, and I always say injuries and matchups in the playoffs, right? They were going to have their hands full no matter what against the Avalanche, as we know. But they were just too banged up. I mean, Perron was out right from the get-go. He's their leading scorer. He's out with uh, COVID. So that took him out of the picture. And then they had some other injuries throughout the series. Falk and Bertuzzo got hurt. So now they really lost some real depth on the blue line. And Colorado's just seemingly pretty healthy with the exception of Nazem Kadri, like flipping out and doing something ridiculously dumb. Right. Things are good for Colorado. So that's that's what I feel there. And, you know, we'll see if that Kadri suspension haunts them in the next round if they play, as we expect now, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, to Nashville and Carolina, I mean, I did think that Carolina had a tiger by the tail a little bit in Nashville because Nashville has played really well over the last couple of months. And when you look at the way Nashville plays at home with that, you know, like just like it's kind of an interesting series. Carolina with the Kaniacs there. They got more people in the building. Hard place to play. The same is true for Nashville. And one factor in all this is that Jacob Slavin has missed three of the four games of the series with injury. And that's a big loss. So Nashville is feeling good about their game. They play hard. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this, you know, a while back. It's like just watching them play over the last half of the season. They just play really, really hard, and they're dug in, and the goalie's playing fantastic. I mean, he's put on the Dominic Hoshik, uh, you know, he's doing the Dominic Hoshik impersonation, and he's been great. So I, I think Carolina I think Carolina will still win the series. They might need, they might need seven games. But they better hope that Slavin can go back and play because that's a big loss. No, that's going to be a big loss. And then you kind of set up to um, if they end up having to go the distance and if the Lightning take care of the Panthers tonight, you know, that's going to be a huge break for the Lightning going up against Carolina on not having all that uh, mileage in the postseason. And now I, I kind of thought this was going to happen, especially when they fell behind. 
I thought maybe we'd see him earlier. Spencer Knight looks like he's going to get the start for the Florida Panthers. And this kind of reminds me a little bit of like Sean Burke from 88, right, where you're kind of throwing the kids to the Wolves, although Burke was was the number one goaltender right away for New Jersey when they made the run to the conference final. But why not, right? You're, you're up against it. You've played well, but you just haven't gotten the breaks, and you certainly haven't gotten the goaltending. Um, yeah, Spencer Knight, why not? Do you agree? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I would say a couple things. Um, Spencer Knight, uh, you know, like you have three guys there, right? And if you just don't feel that the other two guys have gotten the job done for you and you've seen a little body of work in this series, why not go with the guy that you haven't tried yet? And he's we've seen him in one-game scenarios. I mean, we saw him against Canada at the World Cup, or excuse me, the World Junior Championships, and he was terrific in that game, and he's come into – Florida this year, and he's had a handful of starts, and he's played pretty well. Um, it's one of those things they're trying to catch, pardon the pun, I guess, lightning in a bottle, right. and, uh, and have Knight come in and be the guy and run the table. I mean, I guess that's what you're thinking, because if he doesn't play well, the series is over. Um, as for the future, I mean, he seems like he's going to be their guy in the not-too-distant future, despite the fact that Bobrovsky has that big contract, so... It'll be interesting to see what Q does. It looks like it is going that way. I would say this, though, they've got to tighten up, I mean, defensively. I know they like to, to, to run all over and to, to get up in the play and to challenge, but, you know, you go back and look at the first goal on Saturday afternoon. I mean, it was a four-on-four situation, and they had three players attack the puck in the neutral zone along the wall. And all it was was a little chip, I believe it was Kalorin to Sorelli, and then he's off on a breakaway. Now, we could talk all we want about the goaltenders, there's a breakaway in the first minute and a half, three, four, whatever it was, three, four minutes of the game, and you give up. So now you're chasing the game right from the start, and there were other, there have been other defensive uh, faux pas from the Panthers. So the goaltending hasn't been saving them, so to speak, but they haven't really played well in front of their goaltenders either. And I think this is where you see, mm-hmm. and this is where you feel the loss of an Aaron Ekblad in a seven-game series against a quality opponent. And and also, EJ, Tampa's been saved by Vasilevsky, too. I mean, they've had their letdowns for sure. Now, I don't know whether that's just because of the style of play, but for a team that we look at to defend their Stanley Cup championship, they've got a lot of tightening up to do as well. So I think that's the nature of these games that have, that have taken place. I mean, Florida wants to play this kind of attacking game and, like, and I think they they have been able to play on their terms pretty much. But unfortunately, as Stanley Cup championship teams do, they can play on anyone's terms and still win. And I think that's what we've seen. Is I think th- these kind of wild games are kind of more the games Florida wants to play. I, I, I just don't think Florida's got the ability to play, you know, to shut it down and play a one nothing 2-1 game, at least, in, you know, at this point. And uh, I'll be curious to see if they try and take a different approach tonight. But, I mean, they really could have won game one. This series could easily be tied at two if it hadn't been for the dumb play of Sam Bennett. And what we've seen in these playoffs is that dumb penalties really come back to haunt you. I mean, uh, we saw Nick Dow take a dumb penalty in a Caps game uh, against the Bruins in game four. Let's do a power play, goal late in the game, tie the game. We saw last night uh, Josh Archibald was likely going to be suspended now. I mean, I don't know if 
you know, if he had uh, demons take over his brain, I don't know what was going on in a 4-1 game, why he decided to low-bridge Logan Stanley like he did, but it was pretty obviously a penalty. Winnipeg scores, you get the 4-2, and then they kind of take off from there. For some reason, Dave Tippett kept putting the ball back on the ice. I guess it goes to show you that they have so little depth behind their, you know, five or six really high-end players. Um, that you're left in this position, but uh, Archibald was on the ice after the dumb penalty, which led to the shorthanding or led to the power play goal. He was then on the ice for two subsequent goals, including the game winner. So, dumb penalties really hurt you. That Sam Bennett dumb penalty in game one against the uh, Lightning really, really hurt the, the Panthers. And, you know, here we are, three games to one now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and pretty incredible. And you were just talking about that, you know, Winnipeg win yesterday. Just unbelievable. You know, down four one, and this scoring those quick goals and a great face off win. Ealers with the one timer to win it in overtime. Kind of eerily similar to that game seven back in the day between the Leafs and the Bruins, right? Where they blew the four one lead, lost in overtime in that game seven. But God, Edmonton again, right? Finally, Drysaddle and McDavid wake up. They get their points. They get their lead, but. You know, uh, great job, Winnipeg, coming back. But you, you can't, even on the road, EJ, you blow a 4-1 lead in the third period, and it looks like Edmonton's just going to have another disappointing postseason. Yeah, that's the way it appears. I mean, everybody will talk about, you know, the, the, the couple of handful of teams that have come back from three games to the deficit. There aren't many. Um, so I guess with, when you have guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl, I guess anything's possible, but... You know, for me, the bigger problem now is, you know, Mike Smith gave you really two good games to start the series at home. And you didn't score, you didn't win either. And now, you know, things didn't go his way in the third period. And now he's got to come back on, you know, on short rest. I mean, you got to wonder, do they go to Koskin in here? And that puts him in a tough spot. You know, you're in an elimination game. But I, I think the numbers will tell you that goaltenders playing the second of a back-to-back on consecutive days. They usually don't play as well. So, you know, I'll be curious to see how that one plays out uh, this evening in the peg. But the only thing I would say is it's just really sad to me, especially after watching these games in the U.S. where there's a lot of fans now. I mean, imagine if there would have been fans in Winnipeg last night for that. I know, right? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, in the end, we'll see where, where the Oilers go. But they're in a tough spot. And, you know, the other thing I'd say, on the, on the game-winning goal, Jujar Kara's taking the draw there. I mean, you just have to you just have to get a piece. You just have to get a piece of, of, of that of that draw. You have to tie up Stasny. You have to get it on the stick. You can't allow him to get that draw and, and to get it back into an area where Oilers where can shoot it. So, uh, you know, just a lot of little mistakes from the Oilers, and that's what usually, that's what usually bites them. That's why they've and the Edmonton Oilers of recent years. Yeah, that was a and also kind of interesting decision too. You know, we talk so much about 
trying to promote the stars. I, I don't know all the ins and outs television-wise why Jets Oilers was on NBC Sportsnet and Capitals Bruins were on USA. I don't know if there's some sort of only allowed a certain amount of time on NBC Sportsnet or whatever, but maybe the decision was there's a lot of stars. Now, those are two small markets and not really exposed in the United States, but we complain about wanting, you know, Drysaddle and McDavid and guys like Shifley to, to, be, to be seen uh, by the nation. And uh, that, I thought that was a very interesting decision last night to have that game be on the big network or at least the big cable network and then relegating Bruins Capitals to USA. Well, USA is a pretty good, pretty big channel. Sorry. No, it's well, actually, it's it, it actually is in more homes than NBC yeah. Sports. Now, maybe that was the ultimate. But you know, the the reason I thought it was interesting. I listen. I I used to love USA when they throw on you know, kind of a questionable movie when I was a kid. You know, just to be able to watch. But <laughs> but for the most part. You know, they throw like a Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I'm 13 years old. You throw it on on a Friday night, you got me, you know. But I'm still that guy that's got to like check the guide looking for where USA is because I only watch USA now when they throw a hockey game on there. Same thing with CNBC. I don't know where it is. So you're you're yeah. right. Maybe that was strategic. But, you know, I, I felt that from a hockey fan standpoint, I know where NBC Sportsnet is. It's following a game that it was just on that you were watching. So... I thought it was yeah. an interesting decision, but maybe you're right. Maybe just because USA's in more homes, they went with Caps Bruins on that one. You know what? I would only say this, Tom. What I know about television is this. They normally do things because they have a monetary gain of some sort. So whatever the reason, I think it had to do with dollars and cents more than anything else. But Probably. I could be wrong. Even though it's above my pay grade. But you know, since, since we tapped into yeah, Bruins and I- Capitals... I had the Bruins winning this series. I didn't think it was going to be quick, but I, I Bruins are just too good. If you're going to be shorthanded and guys not being a hundred percent to expect to be able to win, right? Yeah, I mean that's the way it was. I mean, I love the Bruins coming in. I, the Bruins post trade deadline, guys have been healthy, and everybody is like my one of my favorite words, as you know, is slotting. You know, everybody's slotted the right way. You got a first line, second line, third line, fourth line, where everybody's in the right spot. I think their D has uh, gotten healthier. McAvoy has uh, taken a big step forward in his career. He's already a terrific player. Uh, Grizzlick is, is another guy people don't talk about. A solid defenseman. I mean, they're good enough on the blue line. And then they've got Tuka in goal. And, and Tuka's healthy and playing well right now. So I really like the makeup of their group. And they're relatively healthy. And then the Capitals. I mean, they went through three goaltenders in the series, so that's always problematic due to injury and other issues. Uh, Kuznetsov didn't play some of the games. There's a lot of issues around surrounding Kuznetsov. There's a lot of talk from Washington that maybe Kuznetsov's going to be moved in the offseason. I think that's a tricky move because if you move him, I mean, you got to replace him. And he's a really good player, but he's underperformed, and he's had other issues apparently. So, uh, you know, I for, uh, you know, for the general manager there, uh, for, for Brian McClellan, it's not going to be easy to make a trade if indeed he decides to do that that works in their advantage where they get a player that can help them win now. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, this is an older team that try, is trying to win now, and if you move you're moving him at a low ebb, right? Because he is uh, he is, you know, he is someone right now that is not at the at the top of his game, or at least market wise. So you're not going to get probably as much as you had hoped. 
and again, you're still, you need that, you need another center. So, I mean, the, that's that's the question mark there. So, it'll be an interesting off season for the Washington Capitals in that regard. But uh, it's unfortunate that they they got dinged up. But again, injuries and matchups are what matter in the playoffs. And right now, the Washington Capitals were dinged up, and they weren't good enough. I'm having a lot of fun watching this Penguin Islander series game five tonight. It's got all the earmarks of a seventh game, but it just seems so simple, EJ. Maybe I'm maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but when you look, this Islander team's got to score first. And I know that they've tied and they've been able to come back at times, but the just the the tenor of giving up that first goal just seems to be different. They only lost two games in regulation during the regular year when they um, when they scored first. The team that has scored first in the first four games have won this. So I know there's been back and forth, but do you think there is something too, especially this Islanders team, just being different when they when they play with the lead? Well, that's how they're built, right, Don? I mean, they're built to play with the lead. They're built to get a lead and then to play their structured system and protect their goaltender and, you know, play, you know, to, to dictate the tempo of the game. So that's how they're built, and that's why when I go back to Game 2, you know, even though Barlamov played well in Game 2, the fact that he gave up that really inexplicably bad goal to Rust, I thought, you know, I thought that was a big swing. I mean, the Penguins were in trouble. They lost Game 1 at home. The goaltender played badly. I mean, the team played well, but the reason they lost was the goaltender played badly. The Islanders were in a position to take advantage of that. I mean, the Penguins were 1-10 in their last 11 playoff games coming into Game 2. And then Barry Trust opts to go back to Varlamov, who was healthy, which, I mean, I would have stayed with Sorokin because I thought they were in a good spot and would have bought more time for a guy who's coming back from injury. But they went with Varlamov, and he just, you know, he, he fanned on that shot by, by Rust, and then the Penguins were able to get a 2-1 lead, and the Islanders tried as they might in that game. They pushed, but they couldn't, couldn't get back and win it. They had the same problem in Game 3. They kind of fell behind, and then they tied it. But it's just it's not the game the Islanders want to play. So to your point, it is important, I think, for the Islanders to score first and try to try to be able to control the tempo of the game. And, of course, great to see Canadians Leafs. First time since 1979. That series is even at a game apiece. But all the conversation, we get a chance to talk to you, is what happened to John Tavares in Game 1. Obviously a complete accident, but... How how important is he, EJ, to this team moving forward? They got tons of ways to score, but how much is it going to hurt not having JT? You know, possibly for the entire run. Well, it's similar to what's going on. What's going to go on with with the, the Avalanche now? At least in the next, in their case, there's a finite number of games. It's eight, so I believe he's got uh, you know six more to go. In, Cadre, but when your second center, and especially someone as good now, Tavares is really, I mean, on most teams he'd be a top center, but he's a number two center there. I mean, again, it goes back to what I talked about slotting and, and creating pressure on your opponent. You're not, uh, you have guys that are in place that can provide scoring when teams focus on shutting down the top dogs. And so now for the Toronto Maple Leafs, they will need guys to step up. Underneath that lineup, you know, from from lines, you know, two, three, or four, where, you know, before when you had Tavares, I mean, you were pretty comfortable that you had two got two lines that you could count on to score. And so now it'll be a little different. So we'll see. They had a good performance, good bounce back performance in game number two. Uh, we'll see how they go tonight as they go to the Bell Center. 
to take on the Canadians as the series switches to Montreal. But uh, I liked how they looked in game two. And, you know, it just depends on how long Tavares is going to be out. He's going to be out for this series, it looks like, because he's down with a knee injury that was also suffered in that play for two weeks. So, you know, I think it opens the door, certainly, for Montreal if, you know, if they can get the good goaltending and get some get some offense generated in the game as well. I mean, the Canadians are good at transition, and in game one they were able to score two goals in transition and win it 2-1. to one. If Toronto plays a smarter type game and doesn't give them those opportunities, I think it's going to be hard for Montreal to generate offense. So, uh, certainly for Toronto, I would think if they get past Montreal, they have to hope that Tavares is going to come back, because at some point it's just going to get harder and it'll be very difficult to win when you're really just relying on that one line. Wanted to get your thoughts on this. We talked about it back on on Wednesday after the incident with Leah Hextall. Um, I see both sides of it, but what was your thought on Felino fighting Perry after that? Um, I leave it to the players on the ice in that situation. I'm, I mean, like I didn't need it, but I'm not in the game. And you know, the captain is laying there with an accident. Um, I think everybody agreed that it was an accident. Perry went over and. You know, he knows Tavares, not to say that, you know, Corey Perry is, you know, he has a lot of guys he knows on the ice. He's going to play to win all the time, and he's been over that line many times. In this case, it was just an unfortunate circumstance that played out. Uh, Carey Price also went over to Tavares when he was being stretched off and kind of, you know, kind of tried to, to wish him well. These guys have been, have been teammates uh, for Team Canada groups over the years so uh you know for me as a as a spectator i did not need it but i think for the players on the ice i mean they know the temperature of the game and i think there is something to be said i mean my partner jackie redmond who's who's grown up in the toronto area you know and she's been around the canadian media i think there's something to be said for the fact that if the leafs didn't do anything there would be some in toronto that would say oh here are the leafs getting pushed around again so maybe it was for the best that it was taken care of in that way, and the game went on, and there were no further incidents, and you know the teams are just playing hard now to try to win the series. So, like I said, I didn't need it, but I think I'm going to defer to the players on the ice in this situation. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I, I Again, I see both sides of it, but hey, it happens in baseball. That's the analogy I use. There's plenty of times where you hit a batter when clearly it was not intentional that we are retaliating, but the feeling is, I'm sorry, I just can't have one of my guys get hit. And so I see kind of both sides of it. it ended up not being that big of a deal anyway. And I thought, you know, Perry understood the situation too, and they kind of went through the motions and got it out of the way. Uh, the only series we haven't talked about, Wild and Golden Knights, last time we spoke, EJ, it was, will Vegas find a way to score? And it took a while, but they eventually did. Marsha Show got it going in Game 2, and they survived that one. And now now things are getting a little bit better offensively for them. Uh, but still no patch already. I don't know what the situation is going to be tonight, whether he'll get a chance to play for the first time since May 1st. But your thoughts on Vegas now up 3-1, and it looks like they found their scoring touch. Yeah, and it looks like Minnesota can't score. I mean, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been terrific fully recovered, I guess, from that sword injury that he suffered last year during the playoffs when he was stabbed in the back, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's, it's just so funny how the Flurry scenario has played out because it is really his whole career. I mean, 
he was our first pick, and uh, you know, he went on. You know, he was Pittsburgh, and eventually they win a Stanley Cup, and then subsequently he has all these struggles where he basically loses the job, and he was just terrible. And he couldn't stop anything. Then he's part of a Pittsburgh team that goes on and wins back-to-back cups, and he's kind of in and out of the lineup and doesn't play, and then he's part of the expansion thing to Vegas, and he takes them to the to the cup final, and, and, and then he kind of loses his job last year, and now it looked like, you know, I mean, listen, if they could have figured out a way to move him, they would have moved him. And, uh, you know, here we are. Robin Leonard had some injury issues, opened the door, and Flurry has just been lights out good. He may be the best goalie in the league this year. So he was given the Minnesota Wild fits, and whenever they put together any kind of offense, he shut it down. And I think Vegas has kind of settled into the way they want to play now and feel really comfortable, which they didn't against Minnesota for most of the regular season and, and some of the first couple of games. But uh, Vegas has settled in, and they've gotten the benefit of a couple of calls, a uh, couple of challenges, a offside challenge that went against Minnesota, and then a, a goalie interference call that was a, it was a close one and it went against the wild as well so Vegas right now has things going their way and I fully expect the way things are going for them to wrap it up tonight at home well listen we had a lot to get into and we got into it but it was a quick 23 minutes I'll tell you but it was just too much there's still <laughs> so much fun. left to do but uh, listen enjoy it it's been fun we'll watch you on the NHL network four to six NHL now and it looks like this is going to be a lot of fun we've lost a couple of teams but I think we got a couple of series that are going to go the distance are close, so it should be a lot of fun. Should be fun, as, as always. As all always. right, buddy. Take care of yourself, all right? See you, man. That is the great, I mean the great E.J. Raddick. We had to throw a lot at him today. There was just so much. We hadn't talked to him since last week, and all these series have something intriguing to get into. Even the Oilers-Jets, you know, up with Winnipeg up three games to none, it just... That story about Connor McDavid and just, you know, listen, he had a couple of assists and, you know, they, uh, Dreisaitl had two goals, so they definitely came to play. But, you know, we said early that that goaltending is going to be a problem for Edmonton. I thought they'd be able to survive it with all the offense, but clearly the playoffs are just a different animal. But you just feel bad. You know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are two of the best players in the NHL, and they were disappointment in the bubble last year when they lost to Chicago. It's been a while since they made the playoffs before then when they made that uh, – that run a couple of years ago getting to the second round we say run because you know it's really been since 2006 when they went to the Stanley Cup final and that was before Dreisaitl and McDavid but with these two players there just isn't a lot and it it, it just they're too top heavy right there isn't a lot else besides those two scoring the goals but you can kind of say the same thing about Boston too right like how much offense is really coming from guys besides Pasternak Marchand and Bergeron but Boston's been able to make it work and one of the major reasons why is because they've got Tuka Rask and we mentioned this a bunch of times remember Rask didn't play against the Lightning last year in the bubble he opted out because of COVID so he goes out there he makes 40 saves against the Capitals eliminating Washington. So that's the difference, right? Boston's top-heavy, Edmonton's top-heavy, but Boston's got an elite Stanley Cup-caliber goaltender, and Edmonton does not. So I would think Costigan will go tonight in the short turnaround to see if they can save, or he can save, uh, Edmonton's season. And that's the games tonight. We've got uh, Oilers and Jets at 9.45 on NBC Sportsnet. And then the Islanders and the Penguins, that's the 7 o'clock start. That series is even at two games apiece. Peng- Peng- you know, Listen, the Islanders got a score. 
and the Islanders got to score first, and that'll give them a good chance of taking that 3-2 series lead. Leafs and Canadians are a little bit behind. This is only game three for them, but still, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun as well. Lightning and Panthers, probably a little bit too much for Florida to overcome, but maybe Spencer Knight can be that difference. He stands on his head, steals game uh, six, and then maybe you have or steals game five, and then you can kind of force uh, game six and seven, maybe behind him. Teams have come back from 3-1 down. A lot of things working offensively for the Panthers. They're just not getting the goaltending or the defense, but maybe Spencer Knight, who's been in these situations before in junior and on the world uh, level, getting a chance to do it in the NHL, trying to save the Florida Panthers bacon in a game five. And, and that series just deserves to be more than just five games, right? So I hope the Panthers can at least force a game six uh, in Tampa uh, and that would be coming up on uh, Wednesday. That would be pretty cool. So we'll see if Spencer Knight can do that for the Panthers tonight. All right, we'll be back with you again on Wednesday. Uh, the way to get in touch with me is at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We had a lot to get into with EJ, but we'll get to a lot of your tweets and answer your lot of questions coming up on Wednesday. I just wanted to get as much expertise from EJ as possible on this podcast. So back with you again on Wednesday. Thank you so much again at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.